Thanks again for joining us on the General Knowledge Podcast. Specifically, a big shout-out to all our Patreon supporters out there. Thanks again for jumping on board. We've got an awesome show ahead of you for this one, guys. Uh, it's bonus show number 13. We uh, have a special guest coming all the way from... Currently, he's over in Arizona in the US. His name is Ari Asulin, and uh, he is the, I guess, the owner, and the, he runs the website called Paradigm Threat. Dot net and uh, there's a whole bunch of information over there it's basically a conspiracy investigation repository is what he calls it um, he covers things like uh, uh, where are we fake genocide history Mars suppressed war we've got 9-11 the Apollo moon landings astronomy chronology controlled opposition COVID-19 false flags nukes there's a whole bunch of stuff on there and tonight specifically for this show I wanted to get Ari on to have a chat about the moon landing uh, and of course we'll have a few other topics thrown in amongst the mix we might even delve into things such as uh, the beginnings of our own solar system and, and earth itself um, but yeah this this conversation can go either way and in, in all sorts of different directions and rabbit holes just like uh, when you're clicking around through Ari's website there's lots to go through there's tons of information really good quality stuff and I hope you guys can jump on and have a look while you're listening to this podcast once it's uh, released as well but uh, Ari, my man, how you going, brother? Thanks for coming on for this uh, for this show. Hey there, thanks for having me on. Awesome, man. Now, uh, like I said earlier, um, yeah, just poking around your website um, after I'd spoken to uh, after I'd listened to your show with uh, Greg Carwood on the High Side Chats, and I hope my listeners also do go ahead and, and check out many great shows that uh, Greg Carwood has done on that one. But I've been poking around your website ever since, and uh, I, I was like, man, I really need to get this guy and have a chat because I, I saw that you covered things like the moon landing, and I know I definitely wanted to do a show on the moon landing because I myself have always always questioned it i've never really sort of believed it and i i was kind of like oh i used to see movies as a kid and tv shows and and they would always you know there'll be some crazy kind of conspiracy guy or the weird one would be referring to the moon landing as being faked or staged and mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff and it used to just sort of go oh, i wonder why they're putting that in there and 
I've then I've you know started looking into it a bit more. I'm like, oh wow, yeah, well, okay, there's a lot more information I did not know about this. And then your website is basically like you've said is a repository for this sort of stuff, man. So it's it's good to see you've you've sort of you like it's like you're cataloging all these things that you come across that just don't don't seem real, aren't true, or a fake, or there's a different narrative, or not enough information, and you're just you know it's like a it's like a data dump, but it's easily digestible, is what I would say. Thank you. Well, actually, it is a repository, and its its nature is to actually save things that have been hard to find. I know about ten years ago, most of the things that you mentioned were actually pretty easy to find, even on Facebook. And you'd just be like, "Wow, those guys and their topics and their discussions too much for me." So we all tuned it out. These days, we can't get to that stuff anymore. It's kind of weird. It's all being erased. So mm. this is a really good time to say, you know, what is being erased and why, and maybe we can see what is true and what's not that way. So this repository is really just uh, trying to save things which I feel are getting um, harder to find on the internet. Um, images that I've downloaded in the past just on random chats that I found in folders um, that I was just like, oh, oh, I need this file I can't find online anymore. I need to show it to people. So I eventually created these large folders of large images and eventually decided I should probably take this more seriously. I should actually make a website repository. Now, I'm not actually into conspiracy theory. I'm mostly into programming and music. So it actually took me a long time to get into these things. I've been doing this for about eight years now, and I've only had this website for a few years. Yep. But I decided to make it because I, I could make a little bit better website than, say, you know, WordPress. No offense or anything. It's a great <laughs> software, and I have used it my, myself for years. But there's some limits to it, especially of how the uh, the search engines you know respond to the data in it. And um, by building my own website, I was actually able to break through, let's say, the censorship barrier that has existed over the last, you know, 10 years. Um, basically, by getting through the, the, the search engine protocols, by citing my images correctly, by, by uh, creating the right meta tags, just programming stuff. And this turned out to be a, a major success. I couldn't be blocked on, on the, um, on the uh, search engines or on the social networks. So um, after I realized this, I kind of decided to just go full steam and make the whole website, make it beautiful, that kind of thing. What I did not expect is somebody like Greg Carwell to show up and say, hey, do you want to talk about this on my podcast? And to be honest, it's because I feel like a lot of people are sort of afraid to go into certain areas and they stay in the safe zones because they've just, you know, heard too many stories about people that just you know, lose their business at the very least mm. by going in the wrong direction. So I have to say, Greg Carwell is amazingly brave for having taken me on. He sort of seemed to open up a dam and I'm getting all this attention and I just feel responsibility. So... I'm trying to do it correctly. I'm trying to make um, the Earth History Timeline Project. You know, my little team here in Discord, we're all being real serious about it. We're saying, okay, got this opportunity. Let's let's really try to figure out, you know, based on this ancient testimony, what really happened, not just in ancient times, but in modern times. We got testimony going back 200 years that's completely contradictory. And of course, in recent times, with such things as the moon landing, 9/11, and this virus, COVID-19. So. Mm. Well, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you're doing that. And the, the Earth History Timeline project that you're undertaking, uh, I, I want to get into that probably in the, maybe the, the, I guess, the second part of the sure. of the episode. Because um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to release the first half of this for uh, my 
on my main channel as a bit of a teaser so everyone can kind of whet their appetite with them if they want to hear more then they can jump on over and hear the rest of it on, uh, on the Patreon Sounds account good. so yeah at least that'll give you a bit more um, exposure as well to all of my um, subscribers as well um, we're just about to hit the 40,000 download mark of uh, you know, only been doing it for two and a half seasons so <laughs> yeah well nearly sorry Excellent. nearly three and a half seasons so yeah so it's, it's going well um, so I'd love to get that That's exposure great. for you as well because um, it's it's essentially the the stuff that you cover there, um, you know, it's it's different, um, and it is controversial in the sense that it does go against the current paradigm, you know. And and I, I like the way that you've titled the website. You're 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 a threat to the current paradigm. You know, there's information yeah, to, to in this repository. Out. Yeah, <laughs> it's clever. See, I actually, like it. And I it wanted works. to start a band with that. I wanted that to be a band name first. You know, really cool <laughs> band name. And I was like, all right, all right, I'm gonna use this as the name of the project. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, funny how things work, huh? Yeah, it is, man. It's great. I like it. Um, and as I was saying, um, just uh, before we started recording the show, too, there's another thing I wanted to talk about as well, which is that sort of 13-month um, calendar oh, yeah. as well. So we'll, we'll talk a bit about that and what, what that really means. You know. International fixed calendar. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, I mean, the things are kind of based on the moon cycles, you know what I mean? Like... Uh, even women's menstruation periods are based on moon Absolutely. cycles, you know. Um, so there's lots of things that it's are really to talk about because we haven't been educated properly. You know, That's it's right. All controversial and contradictory. Yeah, and it's it, it, when you want to talk about this stuff, you it's kind of shunned, and it's like, oh, we shouldn't be talking about it. Well, why not? Let's talk about it. Let's have an open forum. Let's exactly you know, discuss these things. I'm more mental apartheid. I'm more um, along the tune of uh, I want to know. I want to know why. That's that's my big thing. Is that uh, like fair exactly. enough? The information we can put out there like you've got on your website and stuff like it's there's a, it contradicts the narrative and it's a threat to the current paradigm like your website suggests but i'm always interested in in at the crux of it what the motivation is for doing say for example a f you know faking the moon landings you know what i mean like exactly um, exactly so why don't we why don't we start there and then we'll get into i guess how you know some of the the nitty-gritty on how we think they faked it and some of the information that has come to light what do you think perhaps ari is the the crux behind the, what what is the why do you think why would someone want to fake the moon landings why do you think they did fake the the moon landings well when we say they we basically have to kind of sum up who we're talking about uh, these days, a lot of people like to refer to the term deep state because that implies that people within our society, they're essentially in control, but they don't want to show themselves. They don't want to take responsibility for yeah, what happens. I like that term. In, in, yeah. In this case, responsibility for getting us to the moon. So what was the big deal about the moon? Before I get into the controversy, let's talk about JFK. Because honestly, JFK is the biggest element of the moon controversy of all. He is the big deal of the moon controversy. He's the one that said in his famous speech, let's see what the date September 12th, 1962. We choose to go to the moon. Watch that speech. It's very powerful. Mm, he I've heard the speech. It. I've seen it in many videos. Yeah, it's a very powerful speech. Exactly. And, you know, he's, people notice that he sort of had a sense of urgency. And he said, if we don't do this, it'll be done to us. He actually said that. He said, Americans need to choose their destiny or it will be chosen for us. So he essentially wasn't really talking about the moon. He was talking about our destiny. And what else did he say? He said, we are not in the past. We are not in the present. We are in the future. Some people thought he was crazy for saying that. A lot of movies made fun of him. But he was right. We actually were at the position where we were at the future now. Technology, um, uh, society, economy, uh, religion, all of it. We were, we were on the verge. We had the answers. And then something bad happens. So the something bad is the moon uh, landing hoax. 
because obviously um, it created this this controversy where neither side feels that they today feels that they have satisfactory explanation. Where the people that want to believe that NASA is telling the truth this whole time know there's a bunch of holes in this theory, and while the people who feel that NASA is lying this whole time do not really have even you know half the picture in order to prove it to anybody. A uh, must-see documentary, um, If Anything Happened on the Way to the Moon. Have you Gr seen that? Great documentary. I've seen it probably two or three times. Yeah, and I actually, <laughs> I listened, well, I was working today and I, I just had it in my pocket so I could listen to it again. I was, I had my headphones in and I was too busy. I couldn't actually sit there and watch. I'm a gardener by trade, so I do a lot of gardening mm -hmm. for people. So I, I listened to a lot of podcasts and stuff and yeah, listened to that again today just, just to refresh, Excellent. you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Brett, I mean, it's a it, it's a mind-blowing uh, documentary that one. Yeah, and it kind of shows you where we're at with like the investigation. Um actually one second, I'll be right back. Sure. Yeah, I'll put a link for that in the show notes as well, folks. So you guys can actually watch that uh podcast. Uh you can actually watch that uh, documentary A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon. I'm back. Yeah, no, worries. I'll just uh, letting my listeners know. I'll put a link in the show notes so people can check that one out as well. Oh yeah, must see. So uh, one thing to highlight in that is um, that the team themselves admitted that they had, you know, sort of a limited capacity of proving this theory that the moon landing was fake, and that allegedly, towards the end of their production, they received a video showing part of the moon landing being faked, not on the on the moon, but the the just the uh, halfway point to the moon. They showed that the astronauts were deliberately faking the halfway point to the moon. Mm -hmm. I have to stress that this is very important because. The biggest uh, linchpin for determining the moon hoax is the Van Allen belts and their nature. Um, being able to pass through the Van Allen belts, which the astronauts let, said they did, is quite a feat. A lot of people did not think it would be possible at all. And they said they did that, and they had to show people on Earth that they were halfway to the moon. And that part, this video shows is fake. Mm. So that's a clue. That's the clue right there. The clue is that Sure, the moon, uh, the moon landing part might have been fake, and it could have been Kubrick lines and all that, but that part doesn't matter. They're not even able to fake the halfway point to the moon either. So some people kind of conclude incorrectly that um, this means that space travel is impossible and that humans cannot leave the planet ever, but they are very close to the answer. They're not totally accurate. I think the answer is that humans wouldn't survive out in space. Aside from too much radiation in the belts, once you exit the belt, you're no longer in the Earth's magnetosphere. The Earth is powering us, most likely keeping us alive. And if we were to leave it, we wouldn't be alive. So that point aside, it seems that the moon landing had a lot less to do with showing us the surface of the moon as it did with hiding the established physics of the time. Uh, we're talking about kind of things they used to tell us about space. Um, uh, for example, in Star Trek, the first show, um, they made a lot of predictions about how space would be. We'd be able to move in spaceships through space just fine, travel to other space uh, planets and land. Um, they didn't know at the time if any of this was correct. We hadn't even sent the Mariner missions yet. So they um, were making a bunch of guesses that happened to be exactly right. So it turns out that um, this fight is not over whether or not we land on the moon, but with the, over the nature of physics themselves. Um, one thing that um, I'll point out about the moon is um, they really want us to believe that it's far out there and it's, it's solid and it's heavy and huge object and that it's orbiting the earth using Newtonian physics. But a lot of people that look at Newtonian physics 
of the moon, they will notice, or they have noticed, as papers point this out, that the moon as we see it is way too close and way too big to follow Newtonian physics. NASA themselves, when I say NASA, I mean the establishment, pro-establishment, mm-hmm. um, um, academia at large, will will say, no, 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 um, the actual distance of the moon is is much further and it's way out there and it's actually, they have these diagrams, if you look at diagrams, they show the tiny little moon many distances far away from the Earth and that's what they're saying happens. If you go outside and look at the moon, you can see it's not that far away. It's too close and it's too big to follow Newtonian physics. That's one of the main arguments against um, the moon landing is that they had to show the moon very, very far away and very huge when it's really not that far away at all. Mm. And it's actually within the Earth's atmosphere. It's in within our atmosphere. It's right up there in the sky. You can you just go outside and see it. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's not that okay. blurry or anything. So that's my belief. But um, I also this belief is held by a lot of people who are incorrect about cosmology in general, like the flat earthers. They tend to point these things out all the time. They do have some points. It is actually, it, we actually cannot go into space. They're right about that. But because they're right about that does not make the earth flat. So you see that both sides of this whole debate have been controlled by what's called controlled opposition. And they're making sure that as soon as we get close to one of the, these bullet points that really uh, expose this debate, that somebody will come in and say, see, I was right. The earth is flat. And then it's just like, ugh, over. So <laughs> I'm sure that's kind of what everyone today has been dealing with. They haven't been able to get very far into this uh, conspiracy as a result of essentially the control opposition agents out there. Yep, I haven't actually done a show yet on that whole the flat earth, rep ball earth kind of concept. I've been contacted by a few people to, you know, as to who to have on and stuff. Uh, I will be going there. I just, for my listeners, just so you know, I, I will be doing that show. I will refrain from giving you my response as to what I feel about the subject, I guess, at the time. Uh, for, for now, I should say, because um, I don't want to get into that right now. But um, it interests me nonetheless, and I'm very open to having conversations about these things. So, um, yeah, if, uh, please, uh, please do continue. So, we, you're not only do you believe that the the moon is not something to be travelled to. That's you know, what do they say, six hundred and sixty six thousand kilometres away, or whatever it is. Um, right. That uh, it, it is a lot closer. It's within our atmosphere. We don't need, you know, uh, weird rockets and things to try and get to it um that they right they've staged this they've they did this a long time ago and there was a you know this the so-called space race of course let's we'll just bring that into light as well so you know the united states was i guess in a race against the soviet union back then obviously russia now um right. they were trying to compete to send uh i guess men to the moon that was the goal back then the Soviets seem not to have, at first. Not at first, no. Yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say the Soviets were a lot better at, you know, their their technology was better, their rockets were better, their yeah, you know, they were sending up them, right? they were sending up things like Sputnik. Um, in what was it, nineteen sixty sixty seven or I can't remember now. Um, yeah, Sputnik went up early, and then they had Yuri Gagarin do the low Earth orbit. Um, you know, had uh, even had three. Uh, three astronauts go up as well and come back, which uh, were in orbit as well. They, they sent animals up there and brought them back. Um, yeah, I was going to say so- uh, v- Valentia Tereshkova. Uh, she was the first, I believe, in space, right? And she was uh, and she was um, first female in space. She got all the records. Uh, that story is actually pretty interesting. Um, 
you don't mind getting into it. No, yeah, go for it. Um, I read this a while back when the Flat Earthers was pointing out that this is evidence of something. Um, if you read the um, some of the uh, well, it's one book from Rise from Red Star Rising to Rockets Red Glare. Uh, it's a book about um, her life, transcripts about her life, and they describe that the Russians, you know, they're extremely sexist. That's why they're going to at the time at the SSR, they were going to uh, send the women to space because they're sending animals to space. Is basically uh, wasn't necessarily a respect thing. Um, they treated her disrespectfully, and then after the mission, they married her off to one of the astronauts. Besides that, um, the mission itself, she flew around the Earth with the other two astronauts you mentioned, and all of them got sick, and she got particularly sick. And they all decided in the end of this that spaceflight is just not something that humans can do, especially women who, who don't take it as well as the men's bodies do. Um, this is, you know, there's a lot of reasons to speculate that they're just being sexist again. But um, you know, these papers make it very clear that these stories are not what they glorify them to be. They did the test. They brought humans into space. And the tests were mostly unsuccessful, with the pilots being unable to function or perform their own tests and just begging to be brought back to the Earth. So these are weird stories that always kind of stuck with me. And, and later on, I was able to kind of put reasoning to why this actually is. Why would somebody feel like they're dying while they approach the Van Allen belts? You know, uh, so, um, but back to the point, um, you're right, there was a space race going on. Mm. And while, while most people thought that it was, you know, a real space race, they sort of just kind of wanted to bury their heads in the sand and pretend that World War II had not just happened, and that these two enemies had not just been allies and just did not just join forces to destroy Europe. So as everyone's recovering from this war, um, especially there was this contrived space race, which um, I don't think many people at the time even believed was real. Um, today they say it was all real, but um, there's a lot of reasons to say that it wasn't. Uh, these these um, probes that were sent into space were clearly not the first probes to ever be sent into space. And I'll get into that in another podcast. But um, all they did was confirm the universal theories that were put forth by the Catholic Church that, you know, God created the universe in a big bang and, and you know, that 13.8 billion years, that's all them. They create all of that stuff. Mm. And it confirmed that stuff for them. Um, yeah, it's on my website, go into detail about it. Confirmed that stuff for them through these, these so-called space exploration races. So all I'm saying is that this is a very dubious time in human history. We cannot trust the government. And of course they were faking both sides of the space race. Um, on our side, we had to prove that America was better that we can go to the moon. But the biggest question was, why don't the Russians do it themselves? The answers they had is that it would be insane to try that. Everyone would, you know, die. Mm. Um, the Americans, they basically decided to pull off a mission that people were at the time considering to be quite insane. Um, now, let's remember, Kennedy got assassinated, and that was um, 62, and then 63, suddenly we're on the Apollo missions, sending humans to uh, the moon for the first time. And we had not tested the equipment, like you mentioned, we did not know how to safely pass the Van Allen belts or survive on the moon or anything like that. And somehow it was a hundred percent successful mission. So the, uh, the, the nature of these missions were not to actually demonstrate our ability to go to the moon, but was to sort of stop people in their mission that was created by the assassinated president Kennedy to go to the moon. This was all just a way to, to shut it down, shut it down. And after the moon mission was, was over after, Apollo uh, 17 or whatever, they shut down the entire thing due to low ratings. If you can really believe that, the whole yeah, space race ended. I wanted to, to uh, interject with that. There, there, I think even after the second so-called moon landing that they did and televised, um, 
te- television stations kept getting complaints because the moon landing was disrupting, you know, I Love Lucy repeats right. and, and people wanted it. <laughs> they just wanted their normal TV back. They didn't, they were already over it. They were like, oh, we've done it. It's, you know, we don't, you know, who cares about going back there? Like they were over it so quickly. And I found that to be quite amazing that that was the, I mean, I don't know if that's true, but um, that's the, that's what we're true, told. Does it? it doesn't <laughs> I seem mean, to the whole. Right, that didn't upset the whole country at the time, did it? Some lady calling in or be appearing on a news article. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, uh, it's it seems to be that that they just wanted it. Um, oh, people lost interest in it. You know, it's no more interest. No, right. It's not interesting anymore. Um, that, that, to me, that doesn't seem right. To me, to me, like it's if it was if I was to believe it at the time, to me it would. That's I, I tried to put myself in the people's shoes. You know, back back in the day, but. That would be the most amazing thing ever that we sent people to the moon, and and every time that there was some sort of progress to do it again, I mean, would that not be the most fascinating thing that would people would want to see more pictures? They want to see more video. What are they bringing back this time? You know, like what are the advancements? Like, it doesn't to, to me like nowadays, kids would get over that shit real quickly. You know what I mean? Like because they mm-hmm. they have less attention spans. But back then there was no not as many things to distract people you know what i mean i know tv was kind of relatively new and stuff but it doesn't that doesn't sit well with me that people were simply just over it too quickly after one moon landing you know what i mean it doesn't seem right to me absolutely mm. so i guess they were trying to put that forward as that's the problem it's like you said low ratings <laughs> low, right. i mean well, i remember well, when this sorry i remember when the simpsons did their you know tv show about the you know, homer going to space and stuff and, they, and yeah. the guy was like, um, you know, we need to do something. He goes, oh, all this equipment's just to measure TV ratings. You know, he's like... All the jokes in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, chef, that episode is more realistic than the actual moon landings. Like, yeah. he'll, point, he'll point out that the uh, there was no re-entry burn on the capsule. You know, it hit the ocean. There was no steam in the water, that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, I got all those details, though, in the... Well, not all the details, but I got some of them in that show. Let me uh, backtrack a little bit and sure. uh, tell you about... Um, see, what I think that the moon mission really the the cleverness of it why they allowed to go forward rather than just shutting it all down entirely was because it represented a sort of limitation in our minds as to well all the stuff you just said all the things that people should be fascinated by and interested in in this world sort of have a um, upper limit called the moon and if we can't get there then we're not gonna get to mars and we kind of know we're not getting anywhere so why did they focus on the moon so much because at the time uh there was actually quite a bit of discovery occurring in our solar system. One of uh, the people I mentioned, um, one of the most mysterious people of the 20th century, John Astor, who uh, I think is the third. He um, <clears throat> he was the most uh, famous person, <clears throat> excuse me, he was the most famous person to die on the Titanic. So right away, boom. You know, yeah, one of the big suspicious. bankers or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Right, it was definitely financial, but he also was a science fiction writer at a time when no, no science fiction existed. Um, it is strange that he released science fiction books um, suggesting that he himself had actually traveled to each of the planets, that he found them to be all habitable, um, and not just the planets, but the sun, everything in our solar system. Um, he found them all to be hollow. Within them, you could find life. Uh, not a bunch of life like here on Earth, not perfect conditions, but something, and a place that you can create up a way station. So just for just to try to imagine... If we were told that kind of reality in the 60s, that we would be traveling between planets like John Astor, that we would not care that much about getting to the moon. That would be a small way station. But they limited us, and they made us think, we can't go to any of the planets. We can't go to the moon. We can't go to Mars. We're stuck here on Earth. That's essentially the strategy. Mm. 
Yeah, that's right. It's all about controlling the minds of the of the masses, isn't it? With a yeah. with a narrative. Yeah, this is this is how it is, and this is how it's going to stay. Um, I just wanted to touch on uh, as well. I noticed I was just scrolling through on your website here. You know, yeah. you've got a lot of images with regards to the to the moon stuff. You know, releasing uh, the photos of the, of the blue marble images. Um, right. 1978 photo compared to 2017 photo, how the clouds are exactly the same on it, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, the fact that you've got Neil Armstrong, Edwin uh, Aldrin Jr. and Michael Collins, a plaque on the uh, Hollywood Walk of uh, Fame, you know, they're stars because they're actors, you know. Um, the other thing I wanted to, to mention as well that people probably don't realise, and I think you've actually got pictures of this as well, Oh, you do? Yeah, I saw this ages ago and it reminded me when I saw it on your website. I was like, oh, I'm glad you've got that on there. Um, is the fact that, you know, they've got photos of uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, you know, the, the first man to climb Mount Everest. You know, the single-handedly the toughest challenge on planet Earth, you know, was to go to mm -hmm. the highest heights. And this guy did it with a Sherpa and it's, you know, it was a massive media storm, you know, look at the accomplishments and he's, ear, he's his smile is ear to ear, you know, he's yeah so proud of what he did. Same with the Sherpa he had with him. And then you've got underneath that, the comparison of the first men, uh, you know, on the moon and they look depressed. They, <laughs> they look yeah. like they know they've lied to the world and they've got to try and sell the lie. And they right. look like they do not want to be there. They look like, you know, that these were once, I guess, stoic kind of military uh, air force men that you know, put in this program, probably in the beginning thought that, you know, we are going to do this. You know, we could be the guys that do this. And then were dragged into a room at one point and said, um, you know, we need you to sign this document. You've got a secrecy agreement. Um, we're, you're not going to the moon. It's going to be a charade and you're going to help sell the lie. And they really, really couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, well, they did it, but um, they didn't do it well. They looked like they were so depressed that they had to do that. That's that's the kind of Im the impression you get when you look at those images, you know? Yeah, that would be the last mistake that NASA made on video. <laughs> so let, me, let me tell you about those guys real fast. Um, sure. A, a narrative I've heard uh, on this one was that they absolutely were volunteering for this mission, knowing what all of the scientists telling everyone it was impossible were telling them. They are saying... You're gonna die. You're gonna you're gonna get radiated and you're gonna die. Um, so they said these these astronauts. They said we're volunteering anyway because um, if there really is a a war or race or mission going on between us and Russia or anyone else, then it is worth our lives to die. So that's the kind of people, the right stuff and so forth. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Those those people basically were devastated when they found out that they couldn't. Why? Because they're soldiers. They can never be defeated. And in this one case. They are quickly defeated. Why? Well, now we're talking about the deep state again. Deep state, well, whatever nature, whatever shape or form they show up, they get their way in the end. And if you look in their faces, these guys are all thinking about something, something that will happen if they were to say anything. Mm -hmm. Now, um, there's another person, Neil Armstrong. I'm actually not sure if he's one of the guys in that picture. looks like the middle guy. But Neil Armstrong, in a much later video, I think the last video he's ever said, he gave a really cryptic line. This is also in that um, funny thing happens on the way to the moon video. He said um, to an uh, audience of students, um, he said, there are great rewards to anyone who can get through the protective layers of truth. Truth's protective layers, he said. Mm -hmm. Just a, a crazy line that always stuck with me. What are you talking about, Neil Armstrong? Truth's protective layers? Why would an astronaut say that to us? 
he knows something. He didn't want to be. He didn't want this to just be the last thing he said. Yeah, you know, go get him, you kids. He was talking to a whole generation of kids who were going to go nowhere, and he knew it because he knew it was all fake. And he really thought of something there. I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you where to go because you'll get killed. Mm. But if you understand that truth has protective layers, then you can actually do this. Do I really you... come to to believe that what he says is true. Go oh, ahead. I, I think um, that's a multifaceted statement i think in a sense he's also speaking cryptically um right. not in a sense that you know like yes i i think it's it's multi-layered for sure like do you have a do you, could could it be that the the truth he's referring to um is earth itself and this you know the multi layers that he's referring to of unable to to sort of penetrate or whatever is perhaps the belts surrounding earth of nl and radiation <laughs> belts you know what i mean like there could be multi- different layers to this that to peel back on. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, like a metaphor. Exactly. That's what I think. I think it's either an allegory or a metaphor for what he's really trying to say. You know? Yeah. Uh, but I think yeah, it I works blame, on different levels. Yeah, I don't blame these astronauts for a thing for going along with any of it. Um, some of them obviously went along more than others. If you look at all the astronauts gone wild videos, it's kind of hard to make a, what to make of all those. You know? Yeah. Because with these people, they're they're clearly not the right stuff, but some of them were. So. I mean, I. I... <laughs> I actually get a kick out of watching a lot of those videos, you know, with you see like the astronauts these days and a lot of it's all VR kind of stuff. You see them, you know, oh, yeah. the, all that stuff, you know, disappearing in the distance, parts of their body disappear because of the, the <laughs> VR screen they're standing in front of and uh, the women, the hair, like that's not what hair looks like. And yet you, know, you compare it to videos of those, um, uh, the high altitude flights, uh, you know, the vomit flights that they refer to are those planes that go into a really high altitude and then they drop and there's a weightlessness right. And you look at the videos of that, the women's hair looked nothing like they do in, in as in the astronauts that apparently on the ISS, you know what I mean? Like, um, I yeah, my point of view is the ISS isn't even there, but that's another podcast. Um, I, if it is up there, it's it's uh, just uh, a high spoiler. altitude balloon. But Yeah, spoiler, the, the physical body of the ISS is definitely up there and you can see it with telescope. It's one of those verifiable things that people always point out. So, but is it empty? Is it full? Is there people in it? You know, there's no way to find out. And I don't think it's as high up as they say it is, though, either. It surely nah. can't be. You know what I mean? I mean, well, let's talk about the atmosphere just real quickly. Atmosphere, atmosphere refraction, something they don't tell us about. But actually, in every telescope on Earth, we are experiencing atmospheric refraction. We look out into space or at the moon or at anything, and it makes objects appear smaller than they actually are. And you can prove this by looking at it from the inside of a fishbowl. Uh, a fish looking at humans from inside of a perfectly spherical fishbowl would see humans uh, smaller and more distant than they actually are. So the sun is bigger than it actually looks. The moon is bigger than it actually looks. All of it is different size than it actually looks. That's refraction. Mm. And they don't tell us much about that. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point, actually. Um, well, I've seen those comparisons to what the uh iss size is and it's you know roughly the size of a a football field and then they compare that to the size of a jumbo jet which is you know fairly similar i sent in a sense and then you when they say you know the the cruising altitude of a jumbo jet is you know however many feet and it looks tiny you know what i mean like you can barely see it flying overhead because it's that high up and then when you compare that to the apparent distance that the they say that the ISS is sitting at, and yet it's a brand the same size. And they're like, "Oh, you can see it with the naked eye coming over." It's like, "What? How could you? Like, like the human eye can't see that far, surely?" No. 
you know so I see reflection that's it yeah it's i i think there's a lot a lot more to unpack in that one but that's perhaps let me tell you one more thing about that (laughs) yeah sure it's really fascinating um i just pointed out the jumbo jet kind of connection there is a connection there um if notice the shape of the iss um it's not designed but like any of those kubrick models from 2001 space odyssey Mm -hmm. which had mostly the rotating spinning things which it would make sense in a lot of ways but they didn't attempt any of that. Instead, they attempted these long hollow tubes that connect at 90 degree angles. And if you realize, this means that they can never take a picture from inside the ISS showing all of it. All you can see is one corridor at a time, yeah, making a, it a piece considerably it, yeah. easier to fake. So yeah. it could have only have been designed for that reason. And they should have designed it as a sphere in order to prevent people from accusing it of being fake. Mm. Yeah, good point. All right, well, let's let's head back to uh, yeah. to the moon landing now. So... We, we've talked about the, you know, the the apparent space race. Uh, actually, uh, one thing I did want to bring up as well, which I'm not sure if you've you've come across as well, but um, you know, they knew that they couldn't. You know, the, the scientists and engineers knew that they couldn't send people through the Van Allen radiation belts. Like, like you said earlier, like that right. these guys knew that they could have that would have died for their country if they would have gone to the moon and you know pass through those belts. Terrible. Terrible exactly. What a, what, a, what a way to die. Again, the, and I, the reason they knew this was because they had sent, not only had they sent dogs and monkeys and things into space, uh, into low Earth orbit, I should say. The ones that went to low Earth orbit, uh, I believe, had come back alive. But any of the dogs that, that broke out of Earth's, any of the animals, I should say, that broke out of Earth's orbit and they sent a little bit further away, all died. N- none of them came back alive. I think the only ones that... Oh, they, they sent a bunch of lizards. I can't remember which lizards. Perhaps iguanas mm-hmm. or something. Um, and maybe only one or two of them came back alive, but the rest all died. So I think a, yeah. a lizard is the only thing to have come back alive because of, I guess, they well, could have died. More it could have been to. resuscitated. Well, it could yeah, have been. It could have come back into, yeah. Could have. But, you know, all the other mammals, like that's a reptile, all the other, all mammals that they sent past low Earth orbit, uh, none survived. There is no record of any animal surviving any of those missions um, to out of low Earth orbit. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, and we, you know, they talk about the shielding that would have been needed to protect any human beings uh, on, on, a, on a space flight out of low Earth orbit through space, and especially passing through Van Allen radiation belts. You know, um, would have been what a few feet thick of lead that they would have needed. At least. You know what I mean? Yes. And there's no way they could have sent that. There's no, the, the, the lift capacity of these rockets would have been, you know, it, it blown out of the water. There's no way they could have lifted that much weight. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yes, it's not feasible. Yeah, that's um, right. There's also also one other big factor. Um, people point this out. Um, when the astronauts allegedly are standing on the moon's surface and the moon allegedly has no atmosphere, they should have been in direct contact with the sun. They should have been too hot. Um the, a lot of people don't realize that the moon has 15-day long days and 15-day long nights. And during the 15-day period, the surface of the moon is scorched, and you cannot stand on it. During the nighttime, it is frozen. Actually, something else is happening, but I don't want to get into it. But the daytime, you cannot stand on it. Um, if you watch that movie, Chronicles of Riddick, they have a planet which is on fire halfway on one side at all times. That's exactly what is going on on the moon. You just can't see fire because there's nothing on burning but um aside from that point if you send a metal object into the space on a journey to the moon and it has iron or anything like that it will receive energy directly from the sun it will Mm -hmm. not be able to buffer that energy around itself it will 
immediately heat up and immediately get destroyed. So that's just one little tidbit that makes it impossible to actually space travel. You have to connect directly with the sun's fields, creating your own fields. And if the spaceship isn't built specifically for that, retaining heat and energy through the system, then it will be destroyed. So Yeah. Um, on your website, so you've got a good list as well too. Um, for, again, for those uh, folks listening, head over to paradigmthreat.net and click on the Apollo section. And so Ari's comprised a list here. I believe you could probably even expand on this list, perhaps even more though. But work uh, in progress. Yeah, time, yeah, work, work in, progress. in progress. Yeah. So you've got currently you've got uh, thirty three things that need to be answered. Now we don't have to go through all of them, but um, we, we've already probably mentioned quite a few of these things as well. Uh, thirty three things. Thirty three things that need to be answered with regards to the official uh, moon landing story and stuff. Uh, can you maybe just pick a couple of those which you think are key or, I mean, they're probably all key, but some of the ones that stand out to you that I think are just, just blatantly obvious that people sort of need to realize? Um, sure, let me grab that page real fast. Yeah, sure. While you're doing it, one, one thing I wanted to mention as well is um, the ah. there was a satellite that was launched prior to the Apollo 11 mission which right the relay satellite the relay satellite that's right now everyone likes to bring up the fact that australia actually um you know the official story is that australia had a had a part in bringing uh, in in the moon landing apparently you know they were using the there's a movie called the dish in australia which was produced it was it's a comedy movie but it's it's with regards to um a, a satellite relay station uh, in outback New South Wales somewhere I believe or Victoria and um, it, it was apparently integral in, in the in aiding the, of the moon landing because they were relaying hmm. information from there to there and from there back to the states or wherever <laughs> you know what I mean that's the story but yeah. uh, what I would I guess surmise is that that perhaps that satellite that relay satellite that went up was what the Australians were actually getting signaled from, you know what I mean? Like they, they, they say that they were definitely receiving a signal from these ast so-called astronauts that were out there and stuff. But I think right. perhaps maybe it was actually just this satellite that was playing its part in fooling everyone. Well, you're right. That actually is the official story. That relay satellite was the only communication between the astronauts and earth. And the relay satellite had been used prior to the mission in a virtual mode in order to test all of the communication to receive the um, information on Earth, like places in, like Australia, and prepare for the mission. So as a programmer, just straight off the bat, I know that this is the way to, to fake things. You basically simulate it, and then you tell people now it's real, except you're still simulating it. Um, then they have to say, you're, you're lying, and, and it's impossible. It's impossible to prove, because they would have had to already point out everything you just pointed out, how this kind of suspiciously set up with a relay in Australia and a relay on the moon that was prior launch, so, you know, why would they do that if this was purely an American project? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, have you got so, that? Yeah, I got some, I got some, yeah, I got yeah, topics here. I was going to say, some of those uh, things to bring up. Yeah, shoot. Yeah, uh, a lot of the content on the my website is just thrown there. Like I said, I, I find them on websites. To be honest, a couple links that I've put on my site, you know, a year later I go and check them and they're not there, they're taken down. So I, I just know that it's important to be saving some things from now. I don't really... I didn't have a chance to go through everything or curate everything yet, but yeah, there's a lot of things here that are generally asked about, like, you know, all these questions that have yet to be answered. Um, I'm actually fascinated by uh, what I call predictive programming in movies. 
I'll just call it, everyone calls it that, but it means different things to different people. To me, predictive programming is when they're trying to get you to learn something through a movie or TV show um, or book that um, you know, you're supposedly supposed to learn in school. Uh, for example, The Moon, uh, after hearing this, listeners might actually start to realize that they show The Moon in so many movies uh, in the last 30 years. They constantly show Earth, and then they show the moon at a distance. They always show it at a certain distance, at a certain size, and this is not an accident. A lot of people think, you know, all these movies like Independence Day and stuff, that's just part of the story. But if you look closely at the movies, like Independence Day, you'll notice that they're, they're specifically talking about the size of the moon, how, how much mass it contains, how much mass is compared to the ship that just showed up. I mean, they're teaching us stuff just like we would learn in school about the size and distance of the moon in, in so many of these movies, um, which is interesting to me because uh, aside from the contradictions I pointed out before, um, NASA has never been able to really just show us a picture of the moon, just show us the picture from not Earth. Just from one of those satellites or, or anything, probes or something, take a picture of the moon, just show it to us. They finally did that, I think, in 2009 or something. And I remember a lot of people really unconvinced by the photo of the far side of the moon we saw off the first time. It's very crater-looking. But they point out that the distance from the moon seemed to be very close when you look at the moon in front of the Earth and very, very far away when you look at the moon from, you know, from the Earth. So this contradiction right there with the flat earthers like to point out is basically due to the fact that they don't have a Newtonian solution for the moon at all. They, they don't have a size or a distance or anything. They have to just keep showing this to us in movies because it's only in movies where they're not going to be challenged. And so that's predictive programming. Mm. Mm, interesting. All right. What else have you got there that you want to bring up? Let's see. Well, actually, just on, on that, actually, I just thought of something then too. So you mentioned the yeah, predictive please. programming in movies. And, I mean, uh, I've learned uh, ages ago that even... You know, the, I think there was like the CIA or someone has offices in Hollywood and they basically fund and, you know, like Michael Bay movies and things, you know, they, they throw money at these things to, mm. to help them put yeah. certain things in movies. Yeah, all this sort of stuff that you're talking about. That That's not theory. That's literally, you know, that's documented of what they do. They fund these, these things that they do to help... I guess, in a sense, uh, control, you know, perception management of society and Americans and, you know, like there was a, I listened to, I think it might have even been on Greg's podcast as well, but he was talking about how the American flag is in so many different movies at key points in, in regards to like the tension levels and the musical rise and, you know, there'd be some sort of catastrophic thing just about to happen and then they'll quickly show you like a, a scene, even if it's a split second of someone holding a flag or the flag waving or yeah. something happening, you know, and there's, there's a reason why they do that. You know, it's, that's not just the director going or the editor going, yeah, just throw that in. Ah, that looks good. Yeah. Just throw... there's reasons why they do that. And like you, it's all part right. of that predictive programming stuff. Yeah. You're right. And it's impossible to not receive it. You can't just be some guy that says, Oh, I don't fall for that. If you saw it, it's in your brain. It's in your memory forever. Oh, that's yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's part of it. I mean, it's good to be conscious of it and aware of it that yeah, you know that yeah. that's going on. But you're right. At the same time, it's they've done it. <laughs> it's in there. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I'm afraid that a lot of people, especially in American society, are not aware of the predictive programming they've received their whole lives. Mm. They think a lot of these TV shows... I stopped watching TVs in the 90s. It was toxic back then, but these days it's terrible. And they just don't realize it. They think that this is just how people are right now. They mm. completely fell for it. So, yeah. Big time. Yep. 
right, what's the next Let's one? See, I can, I can, uh, yeah, I love the uh, the uh, ones ask about all of the discrepancies in the films that we actually get. You know, why aren't the films HD? Why are they um, always blurry? And why don't you ever see somebody you know walking around with a camera? That kind of thing. Um, the ones that um, I saw actually in school. I was surprised to see this in school. My teacher decided to show me the the videos of the um, of the buggies sped up, just demonstrating clearly that you know it's Earth's gravity and Earth's dust dust falling and all that. Um, the the um, the Kubrick lines um, very um, interesting because a lot of people point out that Stanley Kubrick actually invented this technology for 2001: Space Odyssey, which he made in '68, which is very close to this mm, operation. It's only a year and, away. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. A lot of people are like, wait a sec, why would they why would they let him make a movie right after he allegedly faked the landing? It's like, well, wouldn't it make you feel like he didn't? Um, he basically uh, put clues in his movies um, to make people think that, you know, to, to make people, his friends mostly, realize that he was not actually all that cooperative with these. But uh, the, the biggest question is, um, wouldn't, wouldn't Kubrick uh, doing this actually just trace the Apollo missions back to Hollywood, and the answer to that question is no. They just hit the narrative in reverse, and they say that. Um, oof, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought here. This was Were this you, was conflicting, confusing programming. In this one. <laughs> Were you referring to the the cubic lines? Oh, right, right, I got. Yeah. Right, okay. Sorry, I got. I got. Okay. So they basically said, um, "Oh, you think that Kubrick faked the moon missions? You're actually using evidence that you took from." 2001 Space Odyssey, and everyone saw that movie. Sorry, I, was, I got lost in the in the contradiction there because this stuff really is about about manufacturing a contradiction, and making people believe in it. In this case, if they had not made Kubrick done 2001 Space Odyssey, then it would have been a much bigger reveal when people actually saw that he had worked on these kinds of sets before, and they actually invented things like the Kubrick line in the background. Mm. Now that's when there's like uh, I guess like a part of the horizon or the background and foreground I guess intersect and there's a notable line of that's of separation in the two. Is that what you're referring to as the Kubrick line? Yeah, it's Kubrick line. It's a specially made backdrop which looks like it's part of the floor. Mm. We can't really tell where the floor ends and the back begins. Yeah, so the, the, so these, these so the foreground disappears on... into the off to I guess the horizon line. And the background, right. which is, you know, I guess static or further away or painted, meets up with it. And there's, yeah, it looks like it's there's a distance thing happening there, but it's all like right next yep. to it, sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Cooper, yeah, Cooper is a master at the camera. If you watch Space Odyssey, he's a master. He could do yeah. things that people still can't do today. And when he figured out these lines, it came down to the technology, the ability to hide something within the blur of the camera itself, which which was the solution to the whole Apollo mission problem. You gotta use blurry cameras, cameras that are way blurrier than the ones used in 2001: Space Odyssey in perfectly clear pictures. So, right, there you go. He basically invented the ability to fake um, uh, the Apollo missions by making mm. that movie. Mm. Um, and that—that's another thing that's quite intriguing too is that the the cameras. So, you know, people would think, yeah, you're, you're sending people to the moon. Why would why would you not give them the best? You know color or whatever kind of camera you know, as higher definition as he had at the time to use right and yet they didn't have that they didn't use that they came back with stuff that wasn't too crisp it was blurry the pictures that were apparently sent back were you know out of focus or hazy or fuzzy or 
Yeah, it wasn't very good. Right. And even right down to the fact that, and people aren't even aware of this from, from what I've seen as well, that the actual footage that they beamed around the world of people, you know, for people to watch the moon landing was actually from a camera that was pointed at a TV screen that was showing that image. So it was, right. you know, so you're, yeah, you're seeing a, an image of a TV screen that's you know, produced by another image that's apparently beamed to that one. Yeah, you know, it was just the, the extra setup blurry. was yeah, extra blurry. That's right. You're like you're actually watching footage of a TV screen. You're not watching footage that's directly beamed to it. It's it's crazy. You know, I didn't I didn't realize that till only just geez, maybe only a year or two ago, and I was like, wow, that's fascinating as well. Again, more right. intention there to make it as convoluted and, 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 I guess, blurry as possible. Like, why would they do that? Why would they... And apparently even the... What was it? The, the, the TV networks were very dismayed at the fact that they couldn't get a direct feed, you know? So they it was the government, the, the NASA as a military organization, was controlling that feed to the rest right. of the world. Um, I- as you point out, they basically could get a direct feed. And so uh, the movie also points it out. A um, uh, funny thing happened on the way to the moon. It basically says that uh, they had the capability of getting a direct feed, but they're ordered not to. Mm. So that's just a big discrepancy right there because they, they do make it clear that they could have gotten the feed. These, these technicians know what they're doing. Please give me access. I know what to do. I, you know, I'm not going to break anything, but they weren't allowed to. And they had to set up their cameras in, in the best way they could to film off of a TV screen, like you said, a big projector screen. Mm. All right, have you got another one uh, you want to fire at us there as well from your list? I've got, mm, I've got another one to come up with in a minute. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, in the yeah. meantime, uh, the one I wanted to uh, to cover was the fact that, you know, we're told that all of the technology that was used to uh, get us to the moon back in the day, uh, right down to things like the telemetry tapes and things, have been either destroyed or misplaced, vanished, gone. You know, this is yep. the stuff that should be absolutely lauded. You know, treasured, like, absolutely national, national fucking treasures. You know what I mean? Like put up on a pedestal for the world to to revere that this is the technology yeah, that we treasure. did. It. Yeah, exactly. And and then we you know we find out through like um, I think you know NASA astronauts or people letting it slip in videos like oh we we no longer have that technology available and they're like whoa, whoa what do you mean what do you mean we don't have that technology we had it back then how do we not have it now when computer yeah. chips and microchips are also small i mean you mentioned there number 28 your point 1969 computer chips hadn't even been invented the maximum computer memory was 256 kilobyte okay and this right. was housed in a large air-conditioned building Yet in 2002, a top-of-the-range computer requires at least 64 megabits of memory to run uh, a simulated Mm -hmm. moon landing. And that does not include the memory required to take off again once it's landed. Um, And the alleged computer on board the Apollo 11 only had 32K of memory, uh, which is equivalent to a simple calculator. So fascinating. Like, (laughs) what a mind blow. Yeah, how on earth? Yeah, it's just endless, isn't it? The contradictions are endless. It's like (sighs) never going to end. Right. Mm. And how far does this go, basically, is the question. Um, I, I keep getting back to suppressed technology because one thing I'll point out is that a lot of technology in the 20th century was suppressed when in the 19th century people knew about it. One of those technologies is anti-gravity technology. Um, a lot of people think that's impossible, but it certainly isn't, and they are hiding it from us with these Apollo missions. We're not supposed to use rockets to get to the moon. Rockets don't even work. Rockets have some kind of special stabilizing technology on them, or they would just 
fall right over every time. That stabilizing technology is actually well understood, well known. Gyroscopic technology is used in airplanes to stabilize all airplanes that we mm-hmm. fly in. Mm-hmm. And just the big secret about these gyroscopes that exist in all airplanes and rockets is that they are electromagnetic gyroscopes and that they're anti-gravity thrusters. So the whole nature of even building rockets is to prove that Jules Verne and all these predictions were going to be right. When they were not even predictions of the 19th century, people back then did not talk like that. They did not talk about rockets. They talked about hovercrafts. And we were definitely on the verge of all of this when this fake moon missions you know, happens. So I keep getting back to it. The, the whole nature of this is to hide the technology. To make us fight, yeah, and talk about the contradictions all day is very fun. But we're not getting very far unless we actually start to scratch at what were, you know, what were they hiding? You know, what were they not showing us? I find that interesting. So but to, to me, it, you know, we're told that they made such a big deal of trying to get um, you know, Werner uh, von Braun to the States to work for you know, the, the military to build them rockets and rocket technology because he was the leading mind at the time, I guess. Um, so you're saying that, you know, this, this, I mean, we've seen it, rocket technology. I mean, anyone has to watch that documentary as well. We're referring to the a funny thing happened on the way to the moon. And they have a little segment in that showing you how pathetic that the rocket technology was at the time. Um, yeah. And yet humankind apparently it, did sure. it in one go um, flawlessly and sent men to the moon. Um, you know, so I, I do find it quite interesting that you you say that this you know the, the rocket technology thing was there just as a cover-up to to suppress or to hide the fact that they were onto something else that's interesting that's right and anyway, so i remember at the time like i said it was right after world war ii and things were very dubious the war had had just been won with some kind of new technology an atomic bomb which a lot of people at the time also said is not possible and could not exist and we're not really sure if they've faked every single photo they ever made of it. Mm. So it's the exact same thing in the exact same time period. The government was just up to a lot of things. And it, it occurs to me that you cannot lie about one thing without also having to lie about everything else. Nature yeah. of nuclear fuel, the nature of whether or not nuclear fuel will be safe to use in space travel. Of course fuel is safe. And of course we can build simple capsules that will get us wherever we want. But if they're to tell us that, this world would become free over a matter of years, it would become completely free. In order to contain, contain uh, to control this world, they want us flying in nothing but airplanes, you know, putting on the masks and all that kind of stuff, doing everything mm-hmm. they say, but they do not want us to ever attain technology ourselves. It's simple, it's available, it's abundant, it would solve everything in this world. And that is exactly what Kennedy was talking about. He was yeah. hoping to make it happen, and then came the shot. Well, interesting. Um... That's why I have kind of grave concerns that um, uh, if you're familiar with them, which I'm sure you are, um, while Thornhill was involved in the project known as the Sapphire Project, yes. uh, where they created the artificial sun and have been able to basically control it and you know use it to as a basically a zero point energy device as well to you know um, not only that but it will also um help negate all of the nuclear waste that's currently um being you know um stockpiled around the world as well it will use that and make it inert in a sense um just to, right. um, by, by the way it runs as well so I, I have grave concerns that they'll just someone will buy it shelve it and we'll never see it again you know because this uh, if you've ever, if anyone out there has ever watched I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes of, for people to look at it as well um, the Sapphire Project when I interviewed Walt Thornhill he talked about it as well and it's just fascinating yeah they, they literally use 
again, a, a plasma technology and created an artificial sun in a lab and can uh, create um, different elements and all that sort of stuff. It's fascinating stuff. I won't go into it, but yeah, lightning yeah. scarring and canyons and everything. It's very cool so, stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's the, so let me the, cover some of that. Yeah, I was about to say let's yeah, um, um, let's move into that. So anyone else wants to uh, before we segue into the next section, uh, anyone else wanted to look into the the moon landing and all the problems with it? Uh, there's again, there's links and plenty of information there for people to view over at paradigmthreat.net. Make sure you go and check that out. There's heaps of stuff there, guys. It's really cool. Um, do watch that um, documentary as well. The funny thing happened on the way to the moon. There's some key information in there that people need to realize. Uh, we're being lied to, folks. Um, but yeah, that's that'll be it for the teaser for the first part of the of the um, episode. So the next, if anyone, anyone wants to listen to the rest of the conversation, we're going to go into some uh, inf- really good um, topics now. So we're going to start to talk about a bit more about the um, creation of, I guess, our solar system, the Earth history, and all that sort of stuff. Plasma events that have happened. We'll we'll try and cover a few more of those things as well. Uh, so yeah, once again, let's. Uh, We'll, we'll head into that now for, for the listeners who are Hey, our, folks, that wraps up the first hour for this uh, teaser of our latest edition of the Patreon-only supported show. Uh, Ari joins me for a whole other hour talking about the Earth history and uh, the human origins and where it all began. It's fascinating stuff, folks. I hope you can jump on board, support what we do here. Uh, head to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. I'm sure you will enjoy it. It is fascinating stuff. Once again... Please support what we do and jump on to listen to the second whole hour. Thanks, guys.
Yeah.